0: Our text today comes from the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, verses 17 through 31. You can follow along on page 7 in your bulletin. As Jesus continued down the road, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, Why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. You know the commandments. Don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't cheat, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he responded, I've kept all of these things since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. He said, you are lacking one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But the man was dismayed at this statement and went away saddened because he had many possessions. Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, It will be very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. His words startled the disciples, so Jesus told them again, Children, it is difficult to enter God's kingdom. It is easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. They were shocked even more and said to each other, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them carefully and said, it's impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible for God. Peter said to him, look, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, I assure you that anyone who has left house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or farms because of me and because of the good news will receive 100 times as much now in this life. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms, with harassment, and in the coming age, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, it is March which means, at least for me, it is tax time. And actually we are going in to see and have our taxes done on that wonderful day of Friday the 13th. (laughs) Every year we go to the accountant and she goes through our W-2s and she starts to ask us questions. She wants to know how much, how did we use our car? Did we use it for business? And if so, how many miles? Did we buy books or magazines or anything that helped in your job? Did you buy a hybrid or an electric vehicle? And we got, and, and so on and so on. And we want to know, what charities did you give in all of this? And the point of this is that we're always trying to find out where we can get a deduction of something, somewhere that we can save on our tax bill. All of us, it doesn't matter who we are, are always trying to find that little loophole that will get us off the hook of paying taxes or at least not paying so much. It is said the uh, comedian W.C. Fields was on his deathbed and a friend came into the hospital and found him busily thumbing through a Bible the friend asked what in the world was he doing and Fields responded I'm <laughs> looking for loopholes <laughs> as humans we are always trying to find a way to get an edge always to find a way that we can do something that can make sure that we get what we want now thinking of loopholes I think about this passage and every time that this passage comes up whether I have to preach it or whether I have to teach it I start to squirm I don't like it I am not rich by American standards but if you were going to look at it from a global standpoint I have a house I have a car I have a 403B. I take vacations. I don't like to do this because I know that if Jesus was before me and asked the very same question or asked the very same request, I know that I couldn't do this. And the thing is, is that in some ways, I'm afraid that God is calling me to do this and probably is calling every one of us to do this. As I said, no one likes this text at all. No one is willing to give everything they have to follow Jesus. There are some exceptions. Of course, there is St. Francis, who was willing to give up his affluent lifestyle and background in, in order to follow Jesus. But that is the exception. It is not the rule. The The thing is that people don't like this text so much that they try to soften the edges. They try to make it a little less harsh. They try to find a loophole. One of them is, of course, the message where Jesus says that it is harder for a camel to go into the eye of a needle than a rich person going into heaven. Maybe you have heard that that actually wasn't an actual eye of a needle, that it was supposedly a gate at the walls of the city that was called an eye gate, and it was big enough for a camel to go in, but for the camel to go in, you had to take off all of the things that were on the camel so that the camel could squeeze in. That is not what Jesus was talking about. In fact, in some cases, they think that that came out, came out either probably several hundred years or a thousand years later, but that was not what Jesus was talking about. What Jesus was talking about is what Jesus was talking about. When Jesus says this, Jesus is saying, it is hard. Nothing... It is a nice story. And the thing is is that that whole eye gate is a loophole. It is trying to get us out of this impossible demand. It is, as I said, it's a loophole. So when Jesus says what he says to this man, it is not surprising that he went away sad because he realized how hard it truly is to follow Jesus. If we back up a little bit to the beginning of that story, the young man comes up to ask Jesus this question of what did he need to do to inherit eternal life? Now, right there with this question, there is something that should tip you off. He was asking what is it that he needed to do to receive eternal life? In his mind, being holy meant you had to do something in order to attain salvation. Jesus then tells him what does the law say. And then he repeats the second half of the Ten Commandments. And those are interesting because those final five commandments are all focused on how one treats another person. And the man answers back that he has done all of those things since he was a child. Now, knowing that he has kept all of those commandments, that man should be happy. He should feel secure. But he knew that it was not enough. And that's when Jesus, as we say in the scripture, gives him a long, hard look And the scripture says that he loved the man. And then Jesus lowers the boom, telling him to sell everything he has, give it to the poor, and follow Jesus. Now, as I said earlier, Jesus talked about the last five of the Ten Commandments that were helping the other person. He did not say anything about those first five commandments. There was a reason for this. When Jesus then asked him to sell everything, what Jesus is doing is spinning back to the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods. And this young man would have known what, has been called, what is called in, in, in Judaism, the Shema, which comes from Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. What Jesus had done is revealed what was holding this man back. His wealth had become an idol. And he could not see giving it up. Jesus is asking that young man not to trust in his possessions and instead to trust God. But that is hard for him. And it is hard for us. (laughs) Embedded in that culture was a belief that if you had riches, there was a sign in some way of God's blessing. So why in the world would someone like Jesus, who is also a Jew tell him to give up everything and to put aside the thing that he believed was a gift from god The young man probably was going to do what we would all do is wondering how in the world would he live if he gave everything away but maybe if he had stayed he would have heard jesus response jesus tells his disciples That if you place him above your loved ones and possessions, you will receive what has been lost. You may lose family, but you will gain others around you who become your family. Maybe if the young man had trusted God, he might have known that giving his all would not mean he was helpless. The 1998 movie Saving Private Ryan, of course, focuses on a group of men in the aftermath of D-Day. A group of soldiers are now making their way through liberated France on a mission to find the last surviving sibling of the Ryan family. Captain John Miller, who is played by Tom Hanks, is leading this group to find James Francis Ryan, played by Matt Damon. Just as Ryan is found, a battle ensues with Germans, and that leaves Miller Miller mortally wounded. As he dies, his last words are directed toward Ryan. He tells Ryan, James, earn this earn it. The movie ends going forward in time to the modern day where an elderly Ryan is at Normandy with his family. He is now a father and a grandfather. He looks at his wife and asks her if he has lived a good life. She assures him he has. But he wonders, has he earned the life that he was given? I used to not like that assertion because what it implied was that there was something you had to do to make life worth living. But I don't think that saying that Captain Miller said was what, he, what we think it meant. Ryan was given a gift. He was given a gift of a full life, something that his brothers did not get, something that Captain Miller and many other members of his platoon did not receive either. He had a gift given to him at great cost. Miller's last words were to make sure that Ryan would live his life in thankfulness for those who made it possible. Many had given up all of themselves, even their own life, to make sure that Ryan was found. But it it is also a human thing to always wonder, was it enough? Did we live a life in thankfulness? The elderly Ryan, now standing at Miller's grave, looks at his wife and is worried. He's worried that he might have wasted his life, that he did not live up to Captain Miller's words. But his wife looks into his frightened face and says and assures him that yes, you lived a life that was earned. In this first week of Lent, we find a story that calls us to repentance. The color purple, which is the color of this season of Lent, sometimes is also a color that refers to repentance, to turning around. Jesus came here to be with us and then to die for us. There is nothing Nothing that we can do to earn our own salvation. That was something that was missed by the young man. But we need to be able to let go of the things that keep us from living a life of thankfulness. So on this first Sunday of Lent, how are we living our lives? Do we know in our hearts there is nothing we need to do to be loved by God? And are we willing in thankfulness to let go of the things that keep us back and to know that God is enough? Jesus calls his disciples, the disciples in scripture and us today, to live a life where there are no other gods before God. We are covered by grace, but that doesn't mean that we rest on our laurels. We are called to live sacrificial lives, lives of thankfulness, just as Jesus did. Maybe we aren't being called to sell everything and to live in a yurt in Mongolia, but we are called by God to do something. We are called not to live a life for ourselves, to not place things over people, but to be generous givers in our time, in our money, in all of our life. God does not want just a little of us. God wants everything. In the end of this, it all comes down to trust. It's funny that in our currency, the currency of the United States, there is the phrase, of course, in God we trust. But the thing is, the dollar doesn't lie. We as followers of Jesus are called to trust God with everything, even our very lives. Earn your life. Thanks be to God. Amen.